I give it two thumbs up on the horrible, ridiculous movie scale. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to another episode of Are You Ready for Another? The ongoing conversation about life, beer, and what lies ahead. I'm Michael Moyer. And I'm Kevin Murphy. Man, Kevin, I am starting tonight with, um, I went to Kroger. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of picking out six packs. We've been doing this for, for 47 episodes. Yeah. It's getting <laughs> difficult to do your local stuff. And, you know, we're, right. we're hitting the limits of what we, what we can do. And uh-huh. I'm like, ah, man, what can I do? And then literally I look to the left and there's a 12 pack, which normally I wouldn't buy. Right. Because I don't want just a 12 pack of beer. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's 21st Amendment Brewing. And what do I see? A 12 pack variety pack of 21st Amendment beers. Oh, and so nice. I bought a 12 pack of 21st Amendment variety beers. And so tonight I'm starting off with a um, 21st Amendment brewery out of California. Their Spark Ale, like Sparkle, but it's spelled Spark Ale. Okay. Um, it's a sparkling rose ale. And I feel like when I, I, I like wine, I don't love wine, but you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I like red wine and stuff. I, I feel like when, before I started drinking wine, I hated the taste of wine, and if you'd given me this sparkling rosé ale, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, this is what wine should taste like." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It is good. It is. I, I don't know if I'd be able to drink much of this, but um, it's pretty refreshing. I think. Okay. Um, I, th- I think I like it quite a bit. Right. What What are you drinking? So I actually just found out uh, something very interesting. Um, a couple episodes ago, we were. I think we were talking about our favorite Christmas ales. And I had mentioned that uh, CBC had made uh, a Christmas ale they don't make anymore, but it was called Winter Warmer. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Winter Warmer is actually a style of beer. So I am drinking Breckenridge Brewery's Christmas ale, and it is a Winter Warmer style. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's actually, I, it's, it's pretty good. I like this. Um, it's very light and crisp. It's not like a like a heavier type of um, uh, like a heavier type of Christmas ale. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm digging it so far. Seven point one percent ABV, twenty two IBUs. Nice. Yeah, I think I'm going to drink all of this tonight. <laughs> oh, how did uh, you fare with the growler last week? Uh, did uh, you and Melissa top it off after the show? <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't. Um, <laughs> And we had some, uh, I think it was Monday, and yeah, it was definitely uh, past its prime. Uh, so that's so, why you just got to plow through it, man. Yeah, just drink I, know. It all. <laughs> I know. But, I, but when, you know, when he filled that growler, I, I kind of was just like, yeah, I think we're throwing half of that away. Yeah, like, we're not going to drink at all. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, drinking your growler before your trip... So you're back from Chicago in one piece, it looks like. Uh, yeah, made, made it back safe yeah. and sound. So uh, how was it? Well, let's not even talk about Chicago. How was the Starbucks? Because that's all we really care about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Do I have a story for you with this Starbucks? So I get into Chicago. We get We get there Thursday night. And... I had made a haircut appointment. There's this haircut place in Chicago that I've I've always passed the last couple of years. And it, you know, it's a, it's a men's specific haircut place and it you you know, it's like one of those things where it just seems special doing an ordinary thing in a destination place. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about this before like uh we're going to get our glasses or buy shoes or so. So I was just like I need a haircut. Let's get a haircut. Um, so I go to this place. It's a great place. Had a had a nice woman cut my hair. And on the way out, as I was checking out, I had mentioned to the to the girl checking me out. I said, um, "Have you been to the new Starbucks yet?" And she's just like, "No." She was just like, "The line is to Wisconsin." <laughs> and so I'm like, "Hmm, I think there's something afoot here." So a little bit later that day, uh, Melissa. Uh, myself and her mom go start walking up Michigan Avenue to where this Starbucks is located. And lo and behold, there is a line, probably 50 people deep waiting to get in. And the reason why is, you know, 
like with any business, fire marshal only allows so many people in this building at a time. So they have to, you know, just like a nightclub, two people go out, they let two people go in, you know? So I was just like, I'm not waiting in line. Let's come back later. You know, like it was, it was still like the morning time a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, so I was just like, maybe it's just people like wanting to get their morning coffees, etc. So we come back and the line is even larger. There is literally a carousel of people like wrapped around the building. And then those people are like, you know, like back and forth, like a, mm-hmm. like a, a roller coaster line or something. So now the line is probably 150 people deep. And I'm thinking in my head, I don't know if we're going to make it into the Starbucks this trip because I want to see it, but I'm not going to stand in line for like an hour just so I can walk into the Starbucks. Like we go to Chicago every year. I'm pretty sure we'll we'll get to it yeah. eventually, you know. And and so how long ago did it open? Uh it's only been open a month. Okay. Yeah. So like what happens in Columbus is a huge test market for a lot of restaurants and stuff, right? Um, and by like location, the same thing happens in Lancaster. The same thing happens Uh a lot of places. Right. So when a Chipotle opens for the first time in Lancaster, Ohio, it's insane. It breaks world records for the most people went to this Chipotle for one day. Right. That type of stuff. It's happened with Taco Bell's and everything, all this stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Us Midwesterners really like our our chain fast food places, and it sounds like we also really love our chain (laughs) coffee places. Yeah. (laughs) But but with that in the mind, so that's why I'm thinking this is just so ridiculously packed. It's the holidays. It's it's like, oh, it's the world's largest Starbucks. Right. And I can't wait for you to go in and just be like, what are people doing in there? Like if it's five stories, right? Was that it? Four or five uh, stories? Four, four stories. Yeah. How many people are in there that the fire marshal has to be like, woo, woo, woo. There's, yeah, there's over a thousand people inside this Starbucks. We've got to cut you off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild though. Yeah. So anyways, um, Saturday rolls around and uh, we all watch the the Ohio State Big Ten Championship game. And the game wraps up about 11 o'clock at night, I think it was. And this Starbucks on Saturday nights, they close at midnight. So I told Melissa, I said, why don't we see if we can walk down there now and get, you know, not have to wait to get in, just be able to walk in. Um, so we, we put on our coats and, uh, we walked down there and it was probably about 1130 by the time we actually got down there. And, uh, sure enough, there wasn't a line outside. So we were able to walk right in and, uh, you know, we, we went to all the levels, um, you know, (laughs) checked it all out. And I was actually kind of bummed out because, um, you know me, and I've talked about this on the show before. I, I love me an espresso martini. Mm-hmm. And on the fourth floor of this Starbucks, they have a, a bar up there. And I saw all these people drinking fancy coffee, alcohol drinks. <laughs> and so we sit down at the bar and uh, they the last call was at 1130. And uh, it was 1132. And I think if it was anywhere else, they would have served us. But this bartender looked like he was just like so over people, you know, he, he like he when he saw us sit down, he was just like, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just like, you know, last call was two minutes ago, guys. Sorry. And we're like, oh, OK, you know, no, no worries. Um, so we kind of meandered through it and and uh, went back down. And uh, we bought ourselves a, a coffee mug from the world's largest Starbucks because we have a an exclusive car, coffee mug from the original one, so we wanted to get one from this one. Um, but anyways, they it I mean it was really cool that they it, they actually have a roastery in there, um, you know. So if they Starbucks gets these exotic beans in every season, and you can you know roast them right there and and take them home, and so it's definitely kind of like an experience type of Starbucks versus just like I need my mocha latte frappuccino with extra whip you know two percent or something like that mm-hmm. um but i think the vast majority of people that were standing in that line they weren't they weren't there for the coffee they they were there for the instagram picture to kind of meander through it and then leave like they 
you know, it, it was essentially just a, a tourist uh, a stop for, for a lot of people. I well, mean, us I mean, included. So. I mean, I don't know why really it would be anything other than a tourist thing. I mean, that's why right. it's in Chicago. That's why it's the world's largest. You know, like everything about it is like it could be in Times Square as a, you know, an Olive Garden type level. Yeah. Of, like, I'm from France and this is the world's largest star. You know, like right. it, it's 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 made for that. Yeah. It has all these other things. But like the reason it has those things is to draw people in. So, yeah. So, um uh we'll we'll include this this picture uh in the show notes but um one of the cool things is going from the first floor to the second floor there's kind of this circular escalator <laughs> that takes you up and then um the elevator is pretty cool it's in this picture that you'll be looking at the elevator is kind of there to the to the left it's uh like there's like these big like coffee cylinder looking things and then the elevator is is in the middle of that so it's it's a really really cool building. You, they probably spent, you know, a hundred million dollars making this building look really cool. And oh, I'm know, sure they, a, based on the pictures, I'm, they they probably spent a lot more than a hundred million dollars. Yeah, like it it is. Yeah, it's no joke. It's you right. Know, just cue the Jurassic Park spare no yeah. expense. Uh, <laughs> Guy. <laughs> it, it was really cool like when we first walked in on the first floor there was a, a giant flipboard an actual mechanical flipboard um and i don't think i've ever really seen like a real one in person um functioning and so like the flipboard just had like you know what they were roasting and and like all you know like all of these you mean like old you know stock you know flipping things or you know yeah, when you were yeah, where it's you like know, Times Square and it'd be like yeah yeah okay, yeah yeah so it was cool because it was just it was such a kind of um mesmerizing just watching all of these <laughs> tiles like change over to like the next yeah you know the next thing it almost kind of felt like you were on um a uh, wheel of fortune a little bit cuz you're like the you know like it it's it's slowly spelling it out so um yeah it was a lot of fun they um, should have a hotel in there and then you can mm -hmm. stay at the luxurious starbucks reserve in chicago right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like brew dogs hotel in canal winchester you could be the yeah. starbucks hotel <laughs> yeah no doubt and you get free coffee in your room like you, instead of a keg of uh, punk ipa that you get with brew dog you get uh -huh. a, a, a a pot of yeah starbucks <laughs> coffee <laughs> that would be pretty all in all the 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 trip was was great did uh lots of eating like we normally do and and did shopping and uh weathering was fantastic so so great trip all in all <laughs> that's awesome we are going to cincinnati next week um or next weekend i should say and we will be uh, i can't i think it's called the no theater and I think it's K N O W. Katie and I've okay. been there before. It's just you know a uh -huh. small theater that we we've seen stuff. And we loved it. It was just a really really cool experience because because there's like kind of seats, but you you're really close. Like you feel like you're actually in the play. Like it's it's definitely okay. a unique um, experience that I've I've right. had going seeing plays and stuff. But uh -huh. so this will be the first time Katie and I are leaving um, our daughter overnight. Um, and it's weird because I've always heard people be like, oh, you know, you leave a child and you have this anxiety. And uh -huh. um, when I was traveling for work the first time, yes, I missed her and I missed Katie, my wife. Um, but I, I would think to myself, I'm like, wait, am I supposed to be missing them more? <laughs> yeah. And I felt right. bad for not missing them enough. So right. I'm like, I'm worried now that my lack of worrying about leaving my daughter for the first overnight is like weird <laughs> you know because i'm just like sure here you go yeah <laughs> you know, like, yeah <laughs> you, you know what i don't think that's any different i've i've read articles before of uh you, you know parents uh fa fathers and mothers you know they they always hear the story of oh the first time i saw my child you know like i felt a love that i'd never felt before and there were so many people that they would have anxiety because they're like, well, I didn't feel mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Is there something wrong with me? Yeah. And it's just like, well, n no, you're okay. you're perfectly fine. Like, you don't need to have this euphoric, yeah. like, love, you know, yeah. wafting over you. So I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, you're probably people, right. People, 
you know, handle it in, in different levels. Well, because it, it kind of sounds cold, right? It's like, well, I, sure, I don't care. I left her, you know, like it's right. obviously not that way. But like uh-huh. like the stories about like, oh, I loved loved her the moment or I loved him the moment I saw them. And it was like something I never experienced before, you know. And of course, you're going right. to hear that from stories. You're not going to hear the people that like struggle to make a connection with their child. Yeah. When they're literally yeah. just laying there like a slug and they, they have no <laughs> personality and stuff they're yeah. just this thing that cries and poops and eats right you know? right well now my daughter cries poops and eats and smiles while she's doing it so you're right. like ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> but um yeah that, that's a good point so maybe maybe it is around that way but um right so i i have got to tell you about what i just came from and i think i texted you a picture of it um I we are actually recording pretty late tonight. It's uh-huh. it's ten o'clock uh, Eastern time, and um, normally Kevin and I record around eight o'clock. Well, the reason we're recording so late is because I just came from a screening of a brand new movie um, that is doing a tour around the country right now, um, and it is called Killer Raccoons Two: Dark Christmas in the Dark. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh man and, so many questions with that title yeah so um we'll, let's just unpack this so you hearing that title right what are you know let's imagine that you didn't look it up or anything okay um, what is your first instinct of or, or you know what what do you feel that this movie is you know well, my first question is, wow, they, they've they already made a second one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and then the next question is, they're killer raccoons. So how do, how do they go about their killing? Um, now, I will say the picture that you texted me kind of gives it away. It looks like a raccoon's looking through a sniper scope. Mm-hmm. So these must be... Very intelligent raccoons mm-hmm. to be able to use guns. Um, <laughs> but then there's that whole Christmas element. Uh-huh. So I don't know, man. This is this is crazy. So to give a little background, and I, I learned this tonight because the director was there tonight. And we saw it at the Athena in Uptown. The Athena's like, I think it opened in 1912. You know, it's a really old theater. Right. I think there might have been like, a period of time in the 90s where they were renovating it so it wasn't open for like five years or something while they were renovating and stuff so it's it's definitely an old 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 theater right it's got i think it has three theaters it's small um you know it's not any fancy cinema cinemark or any of those type places right a lot of independent right. movies play there a lot of um film festival movies play there so when i saw that this was coming i was like this has to be associated with something with Athens and when I watched the trailer I noticed the the, the Hawking Valley train out of um Nelsonville. Okay. And I was like, oh, it had to be filmed in Athens. Um so so then reading more about it, yeah, it was filmed in Athens. Uh they were screening it in Athens tonight. This was gonna be the Athens screening. It it but it's been in Brooklyn, it's been in Virginia, it's been in Boston, a few places. Okay, um, but this was the only time it was screening in Athens. So I was like, "Oh man, gotta go see this because this is like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's you know like Dustin and I and a, a bunch of our friends in high school used to make really stupid movies um, with you know a camcorder and all this stuff. I feel like if we'd continued on that path, we would have also made Killer Raccoons Two: Dark yeah. Christmas in the Dark. You know, um, <laughs> this is like exactly what our trajectory would have been you know we would have right. had a little more money um we could have gotten a huge star in it um most of the actors i didn't know but then okay. lo and behold um they have ron jeremy playing a general <laughs> in it <laughs> and of course when you hire ron jeremy in a movie called killer raccoons 2 dark christmas in the dark there's going to be a lot of penis jokes yeah um and there were and I'm not going to give away the plot because everyone needs to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the director did announce before the screening started uh, that um, Amazon Prime, it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Okay. And Netflix, I think he said, uh, started oh. in 2020. So don't nice. worry, everybody that missed it, the screening in live uh, <laughs> on a screen, you too will be able to watch Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas of the Dark. Um, it's, 
It's exactly, if you watch the trailer, it's exactly the trailer. So okay. anybody expecting high art or anything not ridiculously stupid, you're, <laughs> don't watch this, you know? Yeah. Um, yes, the raccoons do fire machine guns, but they're <laughs> tiny machine guns. Oh, and so yeah. there's this this ongoing joke of the humans in the story, like picking okay. up all the raccoons gear and it's all really small. Like the raccoons have little walkie talkies. Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy picks it up and it's like the size of a iPod Nano, you know, he's like Yeah. But he's still talking to the bad guy. Um the director said, Imagine watching Under Siege Two sequel, which took place on a train. Okay. And he would literally he's and I'm sure he was joking, but he said I would just pause the movie and then I would just rewrite that scene but with raccoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, I went with uh, my uh, uh, brother-in-law and I went with my my uh, nephew and I'm glad we went. It was ridiculously dumb. Um, it was very fun. And it's always fun seeing like locations, you know, it's like, oh, that's the that place and that's that place, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you see Ron Jeremy come out, who's uh, I, I don't know the last time I saw Ron Jeremy in something, but, you know, he's been in movies before that weren't porn movies yeah. and he's he's looking he's he's looking a little older i'll, I'll say yeah. that i don't want to age shame him but you know i'm sure he just literally showed up and was like wait you want me to say what all right yeah okay, i'll just say it but um i am interested in how much they paid him <laughs> yeah no doubt because th this movie obviously it, it's one of those things where it probably wasn't a huge budget but at the same time they purposely make stuff look really bad because it it gets a better laugh Okay. Right, there's a guy hanging off a cliff, and it's obvious that he's just like green screened, you know. And then it's like the whole reason that's shot that way is to make people laugh. Like, look how bad this looks, you know. Yeah, but I I, I do recommend it. Um, a question that I I think um a friend of the show Dustin had and my wife had was like, wait, was there a, a, a first raccoons or is it just a joke that they had the sequel? Yeah. And there is a raccoons one. It's called Coons. Night of the Bandits of the Night. And I guess the director filmed this while he was attending Ohio University in 2005. Okay. Um, and, and I was looking at... It looks like it has picked up a little bit of a cult following just because of how ridiculous the concept is. Uh -huh. um, it takes place at a, a summer camp, I think. And raccoons kill everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but the, but the, the, the raccoons themselves are so bad... It, it it's just awesome like because they're just puppets like literally a person's hands up their butt they don't move they don't it's not don't think of any animatronics this is no muppets right this is not yeah. even like knockoff muppets this is literally just a a stuffed raccoon animal that they dress up in, in christmas clothes with a, a little mini gun and it's just hilarious them trying to moat these little like hand puppets <laughs> um it is just, uh, it, it I guess it takes place at Christmas. Um, all the raccoons are wearing Christmas stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> there is a Santa that gets shot on the train. You know, okay. he's one of the first people to die. If you like really, really, really dumb movies. And um, I, I would say when this comes to, to, to streaming services near you, you should uh, check it out. Killer Raccoons 2. <laughs> dark Christmas in the Dark. Starring Ron Jamry. <laughs> I will say when when I when I saw the credits, it said you know with special guest Ron Jeremy. I thought uh -huh. he would literally be like have one line, like an obviously like not a part of the scene. But nope he he was right. He had a lot of lines, so I was I was I was surprised. So yeah, <laughs> I give it two thumbs up on the horrible, ridiculous movie scale. <laughs> <laughs> My next one is the Twenty First Amendment again. It is Brew Free or Die, which we had on our epic uh, IPA tasting. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is specifically the blood orange version of it. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> I like their description. Four hop varieties and seven blood oranges ago, our founders brought forth into this brewery a new beer conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all not, not all IPAs are created equal because sometimes real fruit just makes things even more delicious. <laughs> brewed like our original brew free or die ipa this beer has an abundance of fresh blood orange puree and a twist of citrusy dry hops it's refreshingly different as abe would say whatever you are be a good one and 
it's definitely different than their tip their normal brew free or die i mean you you do taste that orange um, okay and but it's not super overpowering right it's not like oh it's like i'm drinking orange juice like that uh that one that tori and i really liked <laughs> when he was <laughs> on it, it's not that much this is definitely a, a more beer to me than right. orange but uh, but really good uh seven percent alcohol 70 ibus um yeah delicious what are you nice drinking? So actually, this beer was bought in Chicago and and has made its way all the way back uh, to our home. But it is a Lining Kugel's uh, Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. Mm. Um, so it's uh, pretty light. Um, well, not um, it's not a heavy type of porter. Um, so, but it has uh, like hints of vanilla flavor to it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's six uh, percent ABV, sixteen IBUs, and on their website it says perfectly comp- complements marshmallow, sweet potato casserole, glazed ham with cherry, and any combination of chocolate and cherry. I always kind of like it when they uh, put be- the the beer pairing, food pairing with mm-hmm. the beers. Agreed, definitely. Um, I wish more people would do that because it, it it does. It's fun. Like I, I got Katie uh-huh. a um, cookbook that was literally just recipes, but it, it recommended a type of beer to go with it. Like it would okay. be like, oh, this goes well with an oatmeal stout. This goes well with an right. IPA. Um, really fun cookbook. Um, and I wish more beers would say pairs well with a big old pepperoni pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be like, all oh, of them. Oh, man. That <laughs> all, would be hilarious. All, all the beers go with pizza. <laughs> all the beers. <laughs> yeah, I will I will say the, the first time I really experienced that, um, I, I want to say I probably I probably did that with wine. But I, I just remember like just being in awe of how the flavor profile just completely changes when you have like you take a a big bite of steak or something and then you you drink that wine with it. Yeah. And just how it's just like flavors that you didn't even know existed all of a sudden are there. Mhm. And I think that's what's kind of cool about doing like pairings like that is it it kind of uncovers these flavors that you know you didn't even realize were there. Yeah. So, anything else new? You got back when you get back Sunday? Yeah, we got back Sunday. Uh, left out of Chicago around twelve thirty, and got you know got back home around I think it was like eight mm-hmm. eight thirty something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, just kind of uh, you know go, doing the 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 typical work grind. Um, yeah. I think we're I think we're going to try to do um some shopping this weekend. Have you uh have you gotten any of your holiday shopping done? Yeah, it's all all done. Got, all done. Yep, got Katie done. Uh, Lily, we like are we, you know she's nine months old. She doesn't need anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though Katie did buy some presents, so she will have stuff to open. But okay. You know, it's not like she's right. She'll be more interested in the fun paper and trying to yeah eat it. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, she literally anything you put in front of her now, her thought process goes. I can pick this up in one hand now. She sometimes will pass it back and forth between two hands, uh-huh. and then it goes in her mouth. <laughs> and so Morsel, one of our cats, loves to bring mice to you, and not real mice. There, We have all these little play mice. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, I'll wake up in the morning, and there'll be a little play mouse by my bed, or my head, right? Because he dropped right. it for me. And he always likes to play fetch. So I'll throw it, and he'll go run, and then he'll drop it off. Well, today, Lily was sitting um, on her in her play area, and she has this little piano and <laughs> Morsel walks by me with his mouse. I thought he was going to drop it for me to throw it like he always does. But he passes me. He goes right in front of Lily and he drops it in her in her lap. Okay. And so Lily immediately picks it up and is like, and so I try and get a photo because I knew she was going to eat it. But I really yeah. wanted to capture the moment of her playing with this mouse. And, and, and of course, like as I'm taking the photo, she goes, oh, and I'm like, no. <laughs> but um yeah so um in the past katie's gotten the cats these mice like because they love 
just seeing the mice and then morsel will take them and go hide with them and stuff so okay yeah they're, they're taken care of family's taken care of uh katie's ta- i think katie i got all of katie's gifts i might get one more for her i think um but uh yeah i think we're good i think this year was like the first year that i actually because i always set myself a budget for for gifts each year right and this year i think was the first time ever that i actually stuck to the budget and i think i'm actually okay. <laughs> under the budget by like 20 uh-huh. bucks so you know um I'm, I'm proud of myself there but uh nice um like how much more do you need to do if you guys are going this weekend um you, you know what we still have quite a bit to do um i don't think we've gotten anything we i i want to say we're probably halfway done with melissa's side of the family and then i i think we still have pretty much all of my side of the family to do yeah um so i we we have plenty of ideas but it's just a matter of, of getting out there and and going and getting it and then of course i have to pick a day where i usually like when i when i buy melissa's gifts i i usually do it all in one like shot mm-hmm. um so I'll have to just like pick a pick a day soon and and go so, out there and do it. So how does your f- family? How do you and Melissa do Christmas with your family? Um, like I'm assuming, you know, do you, do you mix it up or is it always the same? Like oh, in the mornings we we do our own gifts together. If, if you do that, and then you go to your parents or do you go to Melissa's parents first? How how do you go about dealing with you know splitting? Christmases. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's, it's been changing quite a bit the last couple of years. And I think it's, it's because our, our, our two younger nieces are starting to get older. Um, so they're kind of, I think this, I think last year and this year is really going to be like kind of their peak, at least with, with our older niece who is six right now. Um, so, you know, the past couple of Christmases, we've kind of switched it up. Like we used to go over there to her sister's house. Um, but I think maybe this year um, we're going to maybe do Christmas at, at Melissa's mom's house. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of makes sense because like, I think it, it would get a little confusing. Like, wait, Santa just left all me, all of these presents under the tree. And then my aunt and uncle are walking in with all of these presents. Like that doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, so yeah, I, th- I think we're probably going to go over to her mom's house, but I, one thing that we've kind of always stuck to is Melissa and I always wait till the evening to do ours. Oh yeah. I think and, you told me that um, we always enjoy that because that, that way, you know, like uh, Christmas is just a fury of like going to this people's house and this people's house. And so it's kind of like a kind of nice ending to the day. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's uh, it's us two again and you know we can you know just open up our gifts and and just sit around the christmas tree but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting um just kind of how things kind of evolve in the next couple of years because i feel like uh you know just with with the nieces getting older and then you, you know like if if um melissa and i ever decide to have kids you know like i it's it's going to be this weird kind of uh, shift in, in mm-hmm. you know, how we do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's strange. And this might sound, you know, too hippity dippity to some people. But, you know, like, you know, Athens is in the, the poorest region in the state of Ohio. And so, like, Lily growing up will be not all the kids around her will be as fortunate as she is. So one of the things that uh, Katie's right. read about, and, and so we're going to try is you can still have, and sorry, sorry, Lily, I'm spoiling it. Um, there is no Santa Claus. Um, uh, but you know, like you can still have Santa Claus come and bring gifts. Uh, uh-huh. but what you do is the most expensive gift. Like, let's say that we buy our bike or something, right? That okay. comes from mom and dad, right? That, that, that way, if she goes to school and says, hey, look, I got AirPods for Christmas and the kid next to her is like, wait a minute, you know, I, I, I got I got nothing. Why does why does Santa not 
like me, you know, was I a bad yeah, kid or whatever and stuff. Right. So that way she at least knows that there is some level of your mom and dad buy you a gift. Um, you know, your aunts and uncles buy you, you know, all this stuff. But Santa can get you these right. other gifts. Um, right. Because, man, like, I don't know. I love the concept of Santa when I was little. And I oh, love yeah. I loved questioning it. I love being like... Our, my parents must be rich, you know, yeah. like there's no way they could afford all these gifts. That was like my long like argument for a long time was right. But then well, I, it was, <laughs> it was, it was interesting. And, and, and this is something that I completely forgot. Um, it's just how vivid your imagination is as, as a child. And it kind of came back to me a little bit when we were in Chicago, cause we were, we were sitting at dinner and, um, uh, my six-year-old niece, she kept on she 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 kept on wanting me to ask her questions about Dreamland. That's what she called it, Dreamland. And so I would be like, "Well, who's in Dreamland?" And she would just come up with these like just crazy answers, like there's princesses and princes and <laughs> and and there's alligators and y- you know it's just your that I guess that's one thing I kind of miss about. Uh, an adult is I don't remember kind of what it was like to have that kind of vivid imagination. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was funny because (laughs) then I was just like, well, how do you get to dreamland? And without missing a beat, my six year old niece goes, well, first you drive to Cleveland and you go to the mayor's house and inside (laughs) the mayor's house, there's a painting of a castle and you jump through that painting of the castle and then you're into dreamland. And I'm like, where, I'm like, where is this coming from? This is like a six year old girl, you know, you should drive to Cleveland and and uh, go to the mayor's house. Write it down, man. And, uh, (laughs) have you heard of, I think it was called Axe Cop, but it was this, it was this brother who's much older. He, I think he uh-huh. was like 19 or 20. Um, but his little brother was like six or seven. And right. he would talk about Axe Cop, his like, you know, superhero character that he came up with. Okay. And so his older brother started making it as a comic or something. And so he would like do all the storylines and he's like, and then X cop fought a, a T-Rex and the T-Rex, you know? So like, and then it became, I think it actually animated it. So I think it, uh, somebody picked it up and it actually became like, uh, an animated uh, show and stuff. So you, right. should, you should do that with your, uh, niece. Um, I know, I know it was, <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> that's but awesome. yeah, just so like the, and I think that's what makes Santa Claus so great as a kid is because you do have that that imagination that kind of facilitates the the belief in mm-hmm. you know it's like our adult brains are like well of course he's not a real person that that doesn't make any sense he can't fly all the way around the world in one night <laughs> but as a kid it just it just makes sense you know and. That's what's uh, so so great about it. There was an NPR story, and I can't remember if it was This American Life or you know one of those shows, but it was around Christmas time, and the show was about Santa Claus and believing in Santa Claus. So, so the serial or so the multiple ep, or the multiple storylines were about like pe- different ways of people believing in Santa Claus, and they had like interviews with little kids and that type. Of uh-huh. thing. Well, one of the stories was really sad because these parents convince their kids that santa was real which okay. you which you think of course you know when you're yeah. young of course you're convinced no these parents would not break so in seventh grade when i would say mostly by the time you hit junior high most kids don't believe in santa claus anymore, yeah right like yeah right. your parents they're, are probably still saying oh from santa and you're like hey wink wink and they're like wink wink you know but right like, right uh but the the parents in this story, so when the kid would come home and said, oh, Johnny says Santa isn't real, they'd be like, oh, no, 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 Santa's so real. And then they would hire their, like, uncle or aunt to, like, be in the woods dressed as uh, in, in Santa. Like, do all this elaborate stuff. They hired, yeah. uh, they hired uh-huh. a reindeer once to come. Like, just crazy stuff. Going into high school, right? Okay. So, um the parents would not budge and so this so the two siblings the two older siblings i think there were three siblings the two older siblings they're interviewing them they're like 40 and 38 right they're they're uh-huh. older now and they're like yeah we we knew mom and dad were just you know playing with us since i was like fifth grade since sixth mm-hmm. grade the youngest son though 
believed wholeheartedly and got bullied for it, got made fun of for it, and his parents would never, ever break, even though he was struggling a lot. And so now he's like 28, he's 30, and he yeah. resents his parents so much. And so huh. when they're interviewing the parents for the show, the parents are like, of course Santa's real. Like, they're not even breaking it for NPR. And, and, and it's just like, and, and so it was, a, it was so depressing. This yeah. whole episode was like right. about great Christmas stories. And then it's just this super depressing story about these parents, like ruining their younger son's life because he's like, I've been in therapy for eight years now because Jeez. like, I, he's like, I still don't know if Sa-, like, he, he was like, I know uh-huh. Santa's not real, but like. I, I, you know, like how do it was just, it was really sad. <laughs> so I, it's like one of those things where it's like, I want to have the fun and see the light in the child's eyes of like, oh, yeah. Sienna, like all this stuff. But at the same time, like I, it's gotta be hard to know when to turn it off. Like, and be like, mm. don't be the parents on that NPR show people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, speaking of Christmas movies, we, have now watched the next episode in the MCU uh, uh, universe, right? Which is Iron which, Man three, which takes place at Christmas. Which uh, what great timing with that when when I started watching that movie this week, I was just like, man, I was like, we couldn't have better timing <laughs> with uh, of where Iron Man fell or Iron Man three fell in the yeah you know, the you know when we started watching these so which this movie's directed and i think co-written by shane black um and that's kind of a an ongoing thread with his movies is takes place at christmas time okay uh, he wrote lethal weapon lethal weapon 2 the monster squad last boy scout last action hero um he didn't direct anything until he directed kiss kiss bang bang and that's actually the first time he worked with robert downey jr and so um Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a really fun kind of like it, it's very similar. Like if you like Lethal Weapon, it's that it's that type of like banter, right? Back and forth between two characters. Val Kilmer, okay, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Super fun movie. Recommend it. But we're talking about Iron Man three. Uh, came out in 2013, starring Robert Downey Jr. What did you think of Iron Man three, Kevin? Um. So. I there was parts I really liked, but then there was parts that I didn't like, and there was times where I was looking at how much was left in the movie, which I don't <laughs> think is ever a good sign. Yeah, um, it almost reminded me of a lot of times. Well, I I don't know if they still do this, but at least when I used to buy DVDs, they would have the theatrical cut and then the extended cut. And the extended cut was essentially the same amount of scenes, but the scenes just ran longer. Mm -hmm. So the movie ran longer. And that's what I kind of felt like this was, was like an extended cut of Iron Man 3. Yeah. Like some of the action scenes went on for probably like a couple minutes too long, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Yeah, this movie is two hours and 11 minutes. And this is a trend, spoiler alert, moving forward with Marvel movies as they start to get a little long. Okay. Um, and some of them are even over three hours. Yeah. So, Holy so, cow. So, so we're, 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 we're pushing that territory. Oh, man. Um, um, but. And another thing that I think it, it ran into with it being longer is I feel like the storytelling um, was not as fluid as some of mm-hmm. the other other movies i i think um or i shouldn't say fluid i the the storytelling wasn't as strong of a story yeah it kind of it kind of wavered back and forth a little Mm bit um and i i don't know like i understand like the whole like going to tennessee and like running into the boy but i'm like why does this like i felt like the whole boy character and that 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 dynamic like was he was the boy supposed to be like a comic relief character like like to me like that that wasn't necessary like yeah. that all of that like him going to to uh Tennessee for the very first time mm-hmm. like to me that could have been done in like literally 2 minute a 2 minute scene <laughs> or something like yeah. that not this like oh we're i don't know so er- everything you've brought up 
is what I would say the general consensus of negatives of against this movie. It's too long. Um, the uh, storyline is lacking, like with focus and stuff. The 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 boy character, uh, uh, you know, is, it, it, like w- what are they trying to go with there? Yeah, and uh, this is why this movie is constantly ranked really low on the the, the MCU list. Okay. Um, I when I first watched this, I absolutely loved it. I watched it again, absolutely loved it. Everything yeah. that you didn't like well the boy part is my favorite part and 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 the reason i think i like it is we just came from the avengers right right aliens out of the sky cg all this stuff yeah and it was so refreshing to see tony stark who had become so obsessed with his technology and his suits yeah to be like hey you don't have your suits what are you going to do, like, you know, and he's suffering from PTSD, which I was reading an article that, like, that is a, all his reactions to different things are exactly how people suffering from really bad PTSD uh-huh. suffer. Um, yeah. And I feel like the boy character was, and I, was put in there to help him come out of that. Like, okay. Like strip him away from Iron Man. Jarvis is gone uh, because his suit ran out of power. All, all this stuff, everything. So, like, how is he going to rethink stuff? And he forgot. And that's the that's one of the the funny things I picked up this time. I'm like, this guy built a fucking Iron Man in a cave in Afghanistan. Yeah. Why right. is he not just doing that again? Because he was suffering from PTSD. He couldn't think that way. He couldn't think straight. Oh, right? Okay. He was always yeah. tinkering. And then that's when the boy was like, well, you said you're a mechanic. Can't you like, you know, just make something. And he was like, Oh, right. Oh yeah. I can't like, and, and it took him like going through that to get out of it. Um, so I absolutely loved two thirds of the movie. Okay. And I feel like the whole, the big, now that Jarvis is back on and he can say, Hey, we're doing the whatever protocol. And then all the, uh, the Iron Man or the Iron Man suits that didn't get, uh, uh, you know, destroyed. Um, you know, Jarvis can initiate it, and there's like thirty five of them or whatever. I think the, yeah. like the point was to be like, oh yeah, here it is. It's going to be this awesome thing, and I think it was awesome, but it definitely went on way too long. And I'm just like, oh man, this last like, <sighs> like I I just feel like they were like, what's our budget? Two hundred yeah. million dollars. All right, well we only spent. 140 million so let's go ahead and add another 15 minutes of just cgi and that's my biggest biggest complaint about this is this is and i think i brought this up earlier with iron man one where i was like even the bad cgi still looked pretty good because they knew their limits this right around here in the mcu is where everything just and it happened a little bit in avengers and it has to right when the hulk is whipping loki around like uh-huh. no being can throw a human around like that and and back right. to your complaint about when the guy's like holding the person over the cliff like uh-huh. we can't humanly we can't visualize that with humans really doing that so us seeing the hulk whip L- loki around like a rag doll never can look right to me because that would never happen in real life no no being could literally whip him around you know and so right. it's hard to animate that and it's hard to make me think oh that's how it actually look because you, you don't know how it would look what would it look like whipping a 160 pound person around like a rag doll you know like it, it's just it's just weird um uh-huh and this i felt like there were really cool moments wrapped in just too much cgi porn yeah like cool moments were him diving off a platform and a suit comes up and he like, you know, it wraps around him and stuff. That's kind of cool, right? Um, I love the humor elements when he would jump off the platform and he'd be about to go into a suit and then like a rocket would come and blow up the suit and <laughs> he yeah. would like, he'd keep falling. <laughs> like I love those little moments, but uh-huh. the, but the whole ending was just, you know, it was just too much, too much right. stuff. Right. And it's I, like it's like it's grandeur almost got in its own mm-hmm. way. And truthfully, I, I feel like and this is completely unfounded. You know, it's probably what, what they expected. I do wonder if Shane Black wanted wanted a more grounded movie. Hey, let's let's 
what would Iron Man be without his suit? Because that's even a line, I think, in the second movie. And the guy's just like, what are you without your suit? You're not, or in uh, the Avengers. You're nothing. You're just a, a man. And, oh, it was Captain America said that to him. Oh, yeah, go put the suit on. You're nothing without it, you know? So this right. movie is Iron Man. I don't have a suit. I've got PTSD because I literally flew a... <laughs> Because this is the one thing that I I didn't notice until rewatching these movies is think about it. Tony Stark, Iron Man, uh-huh. at this point, before Avengers, he has fought a his boss in a robot suit. Right. He's fought terrorists with guns. Uh-huh. And then he fought a guy with, you know, whips, right? And other right. like Iron Man suit. Right. And then all of a sudden, aliens come out of the fucking sky, and it's like a war. It's a battle zone, right? It is. And it's just like, Thor's used to that stuff. Thor's like, yeah, bring it on. The Hulk doesn't care. He's just this force of nature. Captain right. America has been in war. Uh-huh. Iron Man is like, I'm just a fucking billionaire smart guy that yeah. like thought... I, and so, <laughs> it, of course, it makes sense that he, when he yeah. makes the decision to take this nuke... And he, he's got, you got to think you're going to die. I mean, that's why he went yeah. through the portal. He didn't think he right. would fall back through. And so it completely makes sense that he would have this PTSD moment from it. And I, that's uh-huh. what's weird is the last time, because I watched these movies with so much space in between, I didn't yeah. get that connection. But just watching the Avengers to this, I'm like, ooh, yeah, that makes sense. You know? Right. Um, but, and, and actually, that's, that's kind of what I loved the most about this movie is there was that direct connection to the last movie mm-hmm. we just watched. You know? Like, that's what I loved about it. Because I'm like, I just watched him. I just watched him fly that nuke <laughs> through the portal. Yeah. And now they're talking about it in this movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I did like that nod back to the Avengers. Like, you know, right there. I, I do gr- agree that I feel like this is the extended cut. Uh-huh. And I... If... <sighs> I'm not an editor, I'm not a director, but I do feel like I bet there's a better edit out there, right? Like like some right. some person's like, oh, I released the Michael Moyer cut of it, and it's only, you know, an hour and 40 minutes, right. and it just it cuts out certain stuff, you know? Uh-huh. I feel like easily 10 minutes of the end could be cut out, you know? Yeah. Now, I have a question for you. What did you think about Pepper being in the Iron Man suit? So, I didn't... It, w- I, okay, well, here's the thing is I forgot she was in it from the first time I watched it, right? Okay. The second time I was like, oh, that's awesome because he, you could tell he had protocol like, oh, I'm trying protector. So he like does his arm thing that he implanted in his body and say, yeah. protect Pepper, right? So right. it's like another connection thing that he, he does care about Pepper, but his own hubris and stuff gets in his mind. And so then when she's all like clumsily like walking around it and stuff, I was like... You know, it was like a good humor moment, but I also thought I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool that she was in it." So, what are what are uh, your thoughts? You know what? Like, I I don't know. Like, uh, for for her to be just like thrown into it, and that like I'm I know she was like kind of clumsy cum, clumsy with it, but I'm like, wait, like like she has never been in this suit before. Then like all of a sudden, like she she can like kick some ass with it. Like, don't you think you'd be like really kind of intimidated? And I don't. I don't know. I don't, like, did, do you really think she kicked ass in it? I don't know. I don't think. I mean, all she did was save the girl from it. Um, yeah. There was no real ass kicking there. You know? It yeah. Was, that's, and yeah, and that's here's true. another question I have for you. Would you have had the same reaction when um, uh, uh, Rhodes got into the suit the first time? Like, he's never been in the suit, but yeah. he seemed to do pretty well with it. You know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just. If, if yeah, she. It just. I, it, I, it, I feel it like. Didn't ca- you're good. Go ahead. Now, I was just going to say, if she had, because literally all she did was he put the suit on her. She He told her, get the other girl, Maya or right. Maya or whatever out. And that's all she did. She protected Maya, like uh-huh. got over her and stuff. And I think that was right. just reactionary. And you could also argue that Jarvis is helping her because that's yeah. part of the protocol. Yeah. Hey, whatever protocol, protect Piper put her on the suit, help her out. Like, you know, I mean, the suit is the smartest thing in the world, right? This, this right. AI that's in the suit. Uh-huh. So I, 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 I didn't, that didn't even register at all. 
Um, but I could see, let's say that she got the girl out and then immediately she was like, Oh, I'm going to fly in and save right, Tony. Right. But she didn't, right? Shoot she, some missiles. Yeah. Cause, cause she couldn't. Um, but at the end, you know, she gets injected with the whatever serum. The Oh yeah. Um, y- you know, th- that's expected just because we think she dies and right. then, she's got the extremis virus or whatever that, that, yeah. that makes her whatever. And then that was probably the weakest part is this extremist thing, or it's just like, uh, you know, what is, what really is it? It, it cures you, yeah. but it also gives you super power. Like, I don't know. It was, it was a right. weird. That- I, I agree. I, I do feel like it was kind of hard to follow there. Mm-hmm. And then especially, um, the whole like fake, uh, uh, you know, Asaba and Bin Laden character. So, like in in the very beginning, I'm like, wait, wait. So we have two sets of bad guys here. Like, what what's going on? Like, you know, I was I was really confused about like what was really going on there. Oh, but even at the, that, yeah. I I think that's where I was was saying like the the storytelling was was a little yeah. you know messy. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, yeah. So essentially, what happens, and I've read about this post it. And you can definitely see where changes were made. So Rebecca Hall, uh, the, the actress, uh, Rebecca Hall plays Maya Hansen. She is the botanist. Well, he calls her a botanist. Right. right. Uh, that right. In the beginning of the movie says she's like, I'm about to break through like uh, repairing ridiculous things. Oh, on the right. side, there was one person I noticed just because we've watched it so recently, but I never would have picked this up. In, in, in the very beginning, when he's at that conference slash party and he hooks up with Rebecca Hall's character, yeah, he um, gets introduced to a character, and 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 Tony blows him off, right? Not Guy Pierce, not the not the main guy, but before that, it's the guy that's in the cave um, in Iron Man One, and uh, remember that helped him out, the Doctor, and, yeah, and he said uh, he's like, actually, we met once at a conference. And, you know, it's just a throwaway line, but they brought him back okay. literally just for the beginning of this movie just to have. And I was just like, why do I? I was like, he looks so familiar. And then I yeah. looked it up and I was like, yeah, it was the same actor. I was like, that's that's a fun little okay. like nod to yeah. people that really watch these movies and stuff. Right. But, right. But um, yeah. So what I read was originally they're always going to have the Mandarin Ben Kingsley do this turn, right? Like he's supposed to be the super bad guy, but really he's just a puppet and he's this actor. Mm-hmm. That was always supposed to be the case. But really the main villain was supposed to be Re- Rebecca Hall's character. Like she was going to really? be the, the twist and she's really the one pushing it. Huh. But then the, the head of, of, of Disney at the time or whoever was in charge okay. really had a thing against women. Like, and it actually fired him because he was just like, nobody would ever want to see a, a, a woman superhero or anything. And he didn't want a woman bad guy. And so he said, wow. not going to, not going to happen. Uh, and he didn't, he wasn't so like upfront about it, but he was definitely like, look at the data, like, no, yeah, you know, like, yeah. and so, but it was obvious that he just did. So they rewrote it to have Guy Pierce. Cause I think Guy Pierce originally was just going to be kind of like another henchman to her. Right. Like okay. it was going to be like, Oh, you think it's really Guy Pierce, you know? Uh, but it, then uh-huh. really it's like, Ooh, you know, it's me and stuff. So, right. Right. Uh, don't know if it would have worked or not, but her character just felt, like she was supposed to be more important, and then yeah. Guy Pierce just kills her, right? Right, <laughs> it just like, right. And it just, just ends. boom, yeah. yeah, you're gone. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah. it's weird though because everything you say, um, you know, like, and that's exactly what I read criticism criticisms of it. But I, I just found myself, and I loved every moment of him and the kid because it wasn't just a typical like you know oh here's this kid we're gonna have a cute kid thing you know like in a tv yeah. show it wasn't like you know when he was just like the kid was complete you know his mom my dad left me you know in the normal thing he'd be like oh, i'm sorry man my dad left me too or something right but he's like no he's like my dad left me too no reason to be a pussy about it you know like he's just like he's still being tony stark and the kid's like right the kid's never had this person in his life like this and and you know it's a little far-fetched that you know um, I, I don't know. I just love the little things. The kid has a potato gun, and Tony, ah. Tony Stark's like, "Oh, your your barrel's too long," and the kid, you know, shoots a, a thing and stuff. And I, I I don't know. Like, there's a lot of little humor that is very lethal weapon to me. Like when um uh, uh shoot uh what's his name uh, <clears throat> uh James Rhodes is like, "Hey, okay, so where's my suit?" You know, because ah. Iron Man got his suit back. 
And he's like, yeah. well, sorry, I don't have one for you. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, so Tony Stark, you know, tries to shoot the guy and James Rhodes right by him. And, and he's like, did you miss? And, 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 and Tony Stark's just like, and there was a spotlight right there. I mean, nobody could hit that. And then like James Rhodes literally turns around and hits the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like little things that show and you're like, you're reminded, you're like, uh-huh. Tony Stark is not a soldier, right? He's right. not, right. you know, he, he has, he wants the suit that helps him do stuff but when he's in this thing he's just like by the seat of his pants stuff or james rhodes is an actual trained person and is just like right okay well i can do it so i don't know i, I liked all the little moments uh-huh. it, it's weird it's kind of one of those um um things where it's like the little moments to me make it good but as a whole it's not great like i completely yeah. Yeah, it needs to cut out 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs a better st- story. Like, right, I couldn't care right. less about the bad guy. Like, all I care right. about is Piper, Tony, and, and uh, you know, the little kid and stuff. But, right. um, yeah. It's, it's, so, yeah. so as, as the movie ends, I can't help but wonder, where do we go from here? I know that Iron Man makes a comeback in the next uh, the Avengers movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But at the end of this movie, he blows up all of his suits well, and he has he has surgery to remove his his, his uh thing that powers Well, him. no, no, it's not the thing that powers him. He's removing the shrapnel in his heart. So okay. he so he doesn't need the power source in his chest anymore. Okay. To, but and, and and this was another thing because I, I I read a bunch of forums after watching this and just being like what what did people think that was a big thing is people thought he retired as Iron Man right I'm blowing up my yeah. suits no in his last line he's like I'm wiping the slate clean because okay. I am Iron Man right like and it's a callback to Captain America saying you're nothing without the suit um, is at the very end it's not i'm retiring as iron man when he says i'm iron man and he picks up that little wrench he's completely starting over from scratch okay and you obviously know he's going to be in more movies so that's not giving anything away but i will say i so much more understand the trajectory of his character now in the next few movies um than i did when i watched them over 12 years because okay. I was like, wait, why, do, why does he have to do this? this right, you know, like, right. Like, literally the first movie, he has to build a thing in a cave. He then builds a suit that he has to put on manually. Second movie, he has to have the suit in a suitcase, right? And, like, it's this thing that has to, his bodyguard needs to carry around. Avengers, he lands on his building and he has to be walking and he has all the robots put the suit on him. Right. This right. movie, he's moving the beyond suit, it. It's he's the putting suit it comes to him. Suit comes to him. You can kind of see the trajectory of stuff, right? And so, mm. like, um, and again, back to the PTSD. And I never caught this little kind of moment when Piper walks in the first time, and she's like, "What? What are you working on? Is that Mark fourteen or something?" Because he calls all his suits Mark one, Mark yeah. two. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, something like that. And he looks down and he's actually at Mark 45. So that's like how right. obsessed he is with just building these suits, just building them and building them and building them. Because uh-huh. he's not even focusing on the actual suit. He's just like, I have to get out of my head. And so he's just like, oh, that's done. All right, on to the next one. And so that's why I think, and again, this is a storytelling error, I feel, is that wasn't conveyed well enough that it's not that he's quitting as Iron Man. It's, it's he's like the past 45 versions that's not that was a distraction and so he's wiping the slate clean gotcha you know so um yeah spoiler alert so, robert downey jr's and more <laughs> fucking <yeah>. marvel movie. <laughs> so that makes complete sense how you describe that but when i watched that scene when he said jarvis activate whatever wipe wipe slate clean yeah protocol or whatever how I interpreted it was I almost lost the one thing that I care about in this world. And I basically want to focus more on her. And like, I, I kind of read it completely different the way you like, it completely makes sense how you describe it, but I definitely read it. Well, nothing I'm saying, nothing I'm saying goes against what you're thinking too. Yeah. Um, he can still be Iron Man without, putting on a suit 
and, you know, going and killing people and stuff. And again, I don't want to talk too right. much because we'll give away right. stuff. But but you're right in that feeling. But I think what, what you need to know is that him saying at the end, I am Iron Man, it's it, he it's him recontextualizing what that means. Okay. Right. so he's not yeah. giving it up. And again, I feel that that's a failing. Cause I'll, that's how I felt the first time I was like, Oh, is he just, he's just going to be with pepper now and right, live in a house. Right. No, that's, yeah, that's that, not that's it. What I, like, so yeah. he, 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 he is doing this because, and again, I'm we're speaking too much in future stuff, but, but what he's right. doing is he thinks it's the right thing to protect Piper. Um, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, I I completely felt the same way when I I first watched it, and then I was just like, wait a minute. But uh, gotcha. Now gotcha. watching blah 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 the blah 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 hold the movie blah blah blah. Yeah. I can't believe <laughs> spent. Now we're just going to spend more and more hours on these stupid movies. These these I know. are these. It's like we could be spending it like watching like uh, high art, you know, like that actually make us smarter. Right. These are these are literally designed. To be popcorn action yeah. flicks that like <laughs> make billions of dollars, <laughs> and, and we're we're talking about it for thirty minutes after right. watching a three hour movie. <laughs> I, I feel like once we get to like the three hour movies, we should just put a little uh, uh, like bumper in. Be like, if you don't care about the Marvel Universe movies, <laughs> skip to forty eight minutes and fifty seconds. We should, yeah, <laughs> skip here. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, uh, uh, Tori's wife, Kenzie. Um, I guess she listened to the show and it got to the part of me complaining about computers for 20 minutes. And she's like, I'm out. <laughs> so uh, yeah. She's probably never going to listen again. <laughs> but that's why we have yeah. chapter markers. You can skip that's the right. section. So, yeah. Right. It should just so be like... they use the chapter Yeah, ner- nerdy uh, computer talk, uh, Iron Man 3 review, so... You know what? If you don't have anything for this week, I think we, we uh, were two weeks away roughly give or take uh from christmas so i think we gotta keep it going a little bit with this christmas special music so one of my favorite songs is uh carol of the bells by mo from their season greetings from mo album and uh yeah they just do a great job hope you enjoy it Ho, 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 are you ready for another?